Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Romans, chapter 5. Here's Pastor Ryan. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles uh, this morning. We're actually going to be in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. We're going to be there first this morning. That's 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And give me an amen once you are there. For those of you who are new to Calvary Chapel, we are known for going through the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, don't worry, it's not uh, in one Sunday. It's uh, <laughs> throughout the year. So our midweek study on Wednesday nights, 7 p.m., it's, it's the Old Testament. And this is where we're at. We're in First Chronicles chapter 29. And it's fitting to where our church is today as a whole. And I thought that it was worth repeating what I said on Wednesday uh, to the church here on Sunday for those of you who were unable to make it. Amen? And so um, it's a miracle that we're buying this place because we had rented for years at Hammerling Elementary School, which is on Nicolette, just down the street from us. And it was there that we began to grow and um, God began to add daily those who would be saved. We began to grow and then uh, COVID hit and, uh, you know, we did the whole two weeks to stop the spread thing. Uh, but once we saw that, uh, I think it was American Frontline Doctors that really spoke to my heart. When we saw that doctors and scientists were being censored, we kind of knew, hey, something's fishy. So we opened up on a, our midweek on a Wednesday night in someone's house, uh, like I think in the end of May. And then in June, when uh, the Parks and Recreation people in Banning said, you guys are essential because we, we wanted to rent their outdoor amphitheater, which they gave to us for 50 bucks every Sunday. We met out there and we, and we began, God began to bring more families. And so we were one of the churches that stayed open. And I feel like God blessed us because of it. You know, it's his grace, but I think God, God, God in his word, if we read through the whole Bible, if we read through the whole Bible, God, you know, teaches us to discern. He teaches us to test all things that we're not a people that just goes about the world without testing things or meandering, but really, you know, test all things. You know, Jesus said, you know how to tell the weather, but you don't know the signs of your times. So it's my heart as a pastor to, to, to study, to know what's going on in the world and apply the word of God to it. But also I think a good pastor of any church teaches and warns, you know, it's part of it. If you look at any of the prophets, any of the teachers, if you look at our Lord, from the beginning, he's saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So the, the, his very first messages are warnings that we need to change, right? And I think church shouldn't change, but in the last days, they sure have changed. People don't want to be told to change, right? They don't want to hear about repentance or sin or the cross. So I feel like God blessed us with this church. The, 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 the gentleman selling this church was watching us, came, approached us, 
wanting to sell and he said I've watched you guys grow and and um, the sell the pastor before him wanted the work of the Lord to continue so he sold it to this guy for a low price it's still a miracle low price in light of how much churches are today churches are like millions and millions of dollars so we're still getting a good deal God's we, we were blessed so why do I say all that the word of God as we go through it meets us where we're at as I was preparing for Wednesday night study it's all about King David preparing for the new temple that his son is going to build Solomon it was on his heart to build the Lord a temple uh, but God said not you you're a man of war you've shed too much blood and so your son Solomon will be the one who builds it. But God was so blessed at the sentiment that he promised David that from his lineage, there will be a king whose kingdom will know no end, speaking of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, that would come from his lineage, right? And so um, he's preparing this temple, and we too are receiving a new house we just received it it's going to be in our name lord willing this week um thank the lord amen but in our story king david says that he's going to pull from his own treasury and he also calls the israelites to do the same for the house of the lord so i said well I didn't just pull this out of my hat. This is where our church is on Wednesday. So I cannot withhold that from you guys. So let's get right into it. Father, we thank you for uh, your word and how it meets every one of us where we're at. And some of us here today, no doubt, uh, some of us here today, no doubt, Lord, are in desperate need to hear from you. I think we all are. We need to hear from you, Lord. Our lives can be complicated, can be hard, um, because we're not in heaven yet, and we really shouldn't expect easy living down here while you're in heaven. And so, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us and speak to us th through your word. We pray that it would fall on fertile hearts, not by the wayside, not on stony ground, not on um, ground with uh, thorns uh, in it but that, Lord, it would bear much fruit in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. Furthermore, verse 1, <clears throat> King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. And so here, King David addresses the, the leaders of Israel. We're talking the captains of the military, captains, generals, uh, the Levites, the priests, the chief of the fathers. He addresses all of them and he lets them know, my son Solomon is young. It's something that they all knew, but he's letting them know, I know what you know, I know what you see, he's young. It's going to be hard for the leadership of Israel to accept that he's young. He says he's young and inexperienced. The King James says that he's young and that he's tender. Right? He's young. He may be young, but what does he say? But God has chosen him over all men. So he may be young. He may be inexperienced. 
But if God chose him, then God's going to guide him through being a king and through building this temple. So don't worry about it. He's reminding them that God chose this guy. And so um, that is a good thing. And he tells them that the work is great. The work is great. That it's not, uh, you know, it's not a work for a man's palace, but for a house of the Lord. It's great. He's, He's letting them know that this isn't just some average task that Solomon is going to be taking on. It's it's great, and it's great for two reasons that I can come up with. It, the first one is that it has spiritual implications. The temple of God, just like a church today, is a place where hopefully the lost can come, the sinner can come, and get right with God. Right? That, even, even in the Old Testament, they were to bring sacrifices, sin offerings, in order to get right with God as best as they could before Jesus went to the cross. But that's what churches are and should be, where the gospel is preached and those that are lost can be found. Those that are in darkness can be brought into the kingdom of the son of his love. Does that make sense? So it's a great work. It's not like they're building somebody a house. This is God's house, spiritual implications. We know that Satan is not going to want the lost to be found. Satan's not going to want a place for, for those who are spiritually blinded to find, you know, healing and light through God. Satan does not want that. Amen? So spiritually, the implications, it's greater. It's not just like they're building a house. They're building the temple uh, for the Lord. Some would say that church is not about a building. And in a sense, they're right. Church isn't about a building. It is about God's people. Amen? The bride of Christ is the actual members. And people say that for all kinds of reasons. I think that it's good to say that when there are churches who are, you know, materialistic and and just blinged out, wanting like, you know, the biggest amazing cathedrals, churches, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's not about the buildings. It's about the people. I get that. I agree with that. Others have said this during uh, the COVID thing because, hey, I don't have to go to church because a church isn't a, a building. It's the people, and people use that as an excuse not to come to church. Anything that God gives you, it, shouldn't we give thanks to God for it? Don't we thank him for our meals? And him giving us this house is a miracle. Churches are closed down that will never open again. And yet God, by his grace and his mercy, decided to give Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills a 1.6 acre, 300 seat sanctuary, kitchen, six classrooms for the kids, dining room, offices, yards, and mountain views. It's a miracle. So it is good for us to look at it as a big thing and never forget God did this. Don't forget the works of the Lord. We know that people in the Bible got in trouble when they forgot the blessings of the Lord. But listen to this. In verse 2, it says, Now for the house of my God, listen to what David says, I have prepared with all my might gold for things made of gold. Uh, 
silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver, 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses, Uh, the gold for the things of gold and the silver for the things of silver and for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen. And then he says, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? And so David says, you know, really two things that stand out. He says, "I've, I've prepared with all of my might, like to care for God's house. All, with all of his strength and all of his might, David said, I'm going to do this well for the Lord. I'm going to prepare his house. But then he also says, because I have uh, set my affection on the house of my God. You know, I, he says, I have done this. And the question should be asked, should we set our heart on, the, on uh, our affections on this place? And I think, yeah, if God has given it to us. We should care for him. We should do all things well unto the Lord. We should show him our gratitude for our personal homes, for our cars, for anything he gives us by treating them well. And it's up to us. He, he gave, and I was reading this, and I thought, oh, brother. Okay, well, here's the deal. Hot shot. Ryan, okay. Pastor, are you going to give anything? Now, I'm not talking about our tithes. That's different. Tithes go to the bills, goes to the things of this. But we have an opportunity to give for upgrades that we want to do. Um, And it's an opportunity. And so the Lord spoke to my heart and I said, well, David led and the leaders led. And so on Wednesday Wednesday I wrote a check out for building upgrades. And if God puts that on your heart, just like he called out Israel and said, Who, what man of you will consecrate himself for the service of the Lord? And it looks like they responded well in verse 6. It says, Then the leaders of the father's houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the officers over the king's work, offered willingly. They gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 uh, derricks of gold. And derricks was a type of, uh, of, of money where uh, it was between... Uh, Dan looked it up after first service, between 6,000 and 30,000. So they were giving pretty um, graciously. 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced for... They had offered willingly because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly. So they gave willingly, they gave uh, um, cheerfully. And so if God puts it on your heart, 
And this word is for you. And this is your church. This is your house. It's not every day that we get a house of the Lord. But it is like this week you're getting a house of the Lord. So uh, when we first moved in, people pitched in for some upgrades, like to put sprinklers in and grass. And, and we did all that through the gracious giving of, of people. So pray about it. I thought I'd share that with you. Had we not been in First Chronicles 29 at, that, at this past Wednesday, you wouldn't be hearing this. But I feel like that's how God speaks to us through his word. Amen? Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, please. Romans chapter 5. And if you're not a believer and you're here today, someone dragged you in this place and, and you're like, great, homeboy's talking about money. Because <laughs> we don't talk about money here. If we hit it in the scriptures, it's because it's in the Bible and we happen to hit it. I'm not that guy hitting up the church for money. This is not about my house. It's about God's house. So I'm sharing with you guys. And giving as believers, we just believe everything that we've been given has been given to us by the Lord. And tithing is a way to, that God, you know, takes care of his ministers and takes care of his churches. But it's also a way for God to test our faith. Because God gives us like, like 10 bucks, and then, and then he says, now take $1 from that $10 and put it in the pot. And you'll be surprised how many Christians have a problem with that, faith-wise. So, so I, I like that perspective. $1 for every 10. God says, you keep the nine. And, you know, everyone's pointing their fingers at all those rich people and the one percenters, they don't pay their tax, you know. And some Christians say no to $1 a month. Or $1 for every 10, I should say. It's about faith. It's about, it's about trusting the Lord. All right, Romans 5. We'll begin in verse 6. Paul the Apostle, as you know, um, the book of Romans, very doctrinal book, is explaining, you know, to the church at Rome and anyone who would hear that the reality of, of, the, of the gospel and faith in Jesus Christ is that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. That there is no one who has done good in the sense good enough to get them to heaven. People do good works all the time. But as far as... <clears throat> being justified by God, being okayed to get to heaven, Paul basically lets the world know that there's none that's righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned in thought, in action, or in speech, all of us, whether one thinks they're a good citizen or whether one was brought up religiously, like the Jews with the Mosaic Law, both, both, no matter what place a person is in life, all of us have sinned. All of us are guilty. But if we put our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, he redeems us from our sins. He saves us. He, he takes away um, our shame and our reproach, no matter what it is. It's a free gift that he did. He paid our price on the cross. 
and rose from the dead on the third day to justify us. And so he lets the world know this is the situation when it comes to justification. And not only that, but, but by faith we stand in his grace and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We, we are positioned in a, in a place of grace and we are a people now in Christ who rejoice uh, in the hope of the glory of God. And we also glory in tribulations and the trials of life. Uh, Paul tells us that we glory in these things uh, because they produce godly character in us. And, you know, we talked about how it produces perseverance and, and character, and it also produces hope. Hope because as believers, when we go through trials, you know, we, we learn to depend on God. We learn to cry out to Jesus for help in no matter what situation we're in. And the more we walk with Christ and, and experience that, you know, we're, you know we're, we're being persecuted, we're being misunderstood, we're being hated on, or, you know, we may be going through physical infirmities, we may be going to financial infirmities, whatever may be hitting us in the spectrum of the human experience, we can cry out to God. And the more we see him be there for us, the greater our hope in his promises becomes. And so these trials do produce characters. We no longer are blowflower Christians or wallflowers. We, we are those who have learned to stand our ground no matter how tough things get. The tough get going because we hope in God. And that's how Christians become stronger. Our roots get deeper and our fruits get sweeter. And so he said these things, and, and he says that, uh, that now this hope that we have in him does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Hope doesn't disappoint because when we be, give our lives to Jesus Christ, when we become Christians, he gives us his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit interjects in us supernatural endurance and perseverance and hopefulness. When you realize, how did I get up from that trial? How did I keep going? Well, God supernaturally interjected into your spirit strength by the Holy Spirit. And that's something the world doesn't understand and the world doesn't have. But it's something we should preach to all of them in their trials. God loves you. If you give him your heart, he'll be there for you as he is for me. Paul would say in Romans 8, 15 through 17, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, and the Spirit uh, himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We didn't receive this spirit of bondage to fear, right? But we received the spirit of adoption by which, how do we know we're saved even? It's because before I used to not cry out, Abba, Pops, God, Father, help me. But now I do. 
Something changed in me when I believed in Christ that I, I felt like I had access. I felt like I had the right to cry out as a child. And here I am, one who was, you know, fatherless, who God became my father. And how did I, how did I know instinctively that I could now cry out to God and he'll hear me? It's the best deal ever. I don't know why sinners don't step up. And angels wonder, like, what's wrong with people on earth? He forgives you of your sins. He adopts you as sons and daughters. He gives you the Holy Spirit. You're going to heaven and you're not going to be judged for your sins. I don't know why they're not lining up. I do know it's because Satan has deceived them. If they knew the reality of hell that awaits them. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.